Hello and welcome to Marketing in Times of Recovery. I'm Ayo Abbas, a built environment marketing consultant and your host for today. You can find out more about my work at my website, which is www.abbasmarketing.com. And today I have three amazing guests, Simon Drayson and Darren Leach from George and James Architects and the writer and trainer Juliet Mitchell from Archetypal. I heard of Simon and Darren via Juliet on LinkedIn and also via the Archipel Awards where their alternative Reba plan of works was shortlisted in the best written content category. In this episode, we look at how they worked with Juliet to develop their tone of voice and how to write basically for humans. Yes, real actual people. We also talk about how going through the process of writing their website has positively impacted other aspects of their business and what they're doing now in terms of their marketing to take their business forward. If you've liked the show and you do listen to us, please do leave us a review because it really does help us to spread the word. So if you're on Apple Podcast, scroll down and find the bit that says review and say some nice words about why you like the show. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking now and I'll let you get on and enjoy the show. Bye. Hi, and welcome to the show, and thanks so much for coming on. Um, Would you like to introduce yourself? So first, Juliet, would you like to introduce yourself and your company? Yeah, so I'm Juliet Mitchell, and I run Archetypal, and I help architects, and sometimes uh, people who work with architects, but most of my clients are architects, and I help them uh, get their story straight, find their voice, find a way of articulating their purpose, their mission, and all those words that get bandied about, but people don't really know how to dig down into and uh, find a way of expressing for themselves. Fantastic. And Simon, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Simon Drayson, one half of George and James Architects. We're a small architectural firm based in Midhurst in the South Downs. We design buildings that we can all be proud of, happy, healthy places that are kind to you and kind to the planet. And over to you, Darren, who are you? No, I'm I'm Darren Leach, and I'm I'm uh, one of the directors at George and James as well. And as Simon said, we have a small small team based in Midhurst um, in the South Downs National Park. Um, yeah, Simon's Simon's told you what we do. Just <laughs> <laughs> always good. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's why you run the business. <laughs> It's like, I don't need to do that part. You can do that. All right. So, um, George and James, so I kind of got to know you, I guess, via Juliet and the Archibald Awards and your amazing website and all of that. So how did your practice get its name, first of all? Because your names aren't George and James. <laughs> Go for it, Simon. Thanks, Simon. Yes, they're not, they're not George and James. They are our middle names. So I'm Simon George and Darren is obviously Darren James. Um, George is after my granddad. James is after no one in particular. So I understand <laughs> Darren's parents just just liked it. Um, we started George and James Architects. We should say as um, an important that we're, we're actually married, so that's uh, for for the banter that's going on here that um, exists might might not exist in some some businesses. Uh, that might just true. explain it. Yeah, very true. And we we started because of that very reason, I suppose, as a bit of extra pocket money for nice things and holidays. We started George and James Architects as a bit of a sideline. Um, nearly a decade ago, actually, alongside wow. sort of full-time work. So we had to be a bit secretive and clandestine with our operations, um, hence the origin of um, not calling it Drayson Leach 
architects or yeah. Leeds Drayson architects. That is another debate for another time. <laughs> One thing that was um, was great for the website when we were starting to work on the words for the website was to actually use that little story. So it is on there. So if you go onto the page about the studio, you can read about you know how. Simon and Darren came up with that name and why you know that we didn't want them to sound too corporate we didn't want them um yeah Darren uh yeah it felt like George and James was sounded better sounded just right um and so that's you know that's part yeah. of telling the story of the practice and it's a really nice personal way into uh you know into who they are and what uh, and what they do actually do people ring up an arts for George and James sometimes yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it was, it was it, yeah we don't have we did have someone working for us a few years ago called james so that got very confusing um <laughs> people would call up and ask for mr james or something like that yeah and he was a part one and we'd be taking all these sort of calls from prospective clients and um lots of yeah. sales calls we always know it's a sales call when they ask for george or james um because they haven't done their homework on the website and they go, how are you today? As the, that's normally the, the, the usual kind of sales. <laughs> yeah, exactly. intro, isn't it? Yeah. Which is always like, no. So um, in terms of your website, kind of how did you, how did you find Juliet is my first question. How do you know each other? We were, we, we knew, I guess, um, I don't know when we started the process, probably after the pandemic started. And yeah. we had a website and it felt like a very generic thing. We had sort of statements on it that you could literally pick up from any architect's websites about, you know, working on any project or sectors. It was all, all quite standard and yeah. almost sort of boilerplate stuff. And we, we were kind of sat there in our bedrooms at home, like everybody else working at the start of the pandemic, thinking, well, you know, we're okay. We've got lots of projects which are keeping us going. But how do we win the next project and what sets us apart from 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 everybody else and why would people want to work with us? And so we knew we needed to work on our website and the way we present ourselves um, in order to, to, to do that and to appeal, appeal to people and, and also just tell people about what we like to do and how we do it. And at the time as well, I think we were thinking, well, actually, we need to we need to publicize ourselves. So we. We got in touch with some publicists and then a few publicists said, well, um, I think it was Luke, actually, who Luke Neath, who, who then directed us to Juliet and said, go and talk to Juliet. She does these wonderful workshops and can help you help you find find your find your words and, and find, you know, dig into who you are and, and present yourselves. And, and that's that's what we did. We, we yeah. sort of joined Juliet for a, for a few sort of workshop sessions, um, just just writing. During the pandemic. During yeah. the pandemic. So we did it on Zoom. And for me, yeah. um, I think Simon and Darren were sort of, I think you were my, well, I had a, at the beginning of the, before the pandemic, I'd been working completely face to face for my workshops. Yeah. And then it was that weird thing, like everybody, that suddenly it was adapting to doing it on Zoom and finding that, Zoom. Were, yep. uh, that actually it could work really well. Um, and so I think that Simon and Darren, you were one of my, of that first sort of clutch of the Zoom workshops and, um, yeah. and it was great. And, you know, you working with just two other people, you, the two of them were in one room. Um, so it felt like almost a one-to-one -one conversation, especially because yeah. as you can see, they're sort of very close in lots of ways. Um, and we, um, and it worked really well. It was really productive and it was, oh, you were a joy to work with both of you. 
I remember it. I remember it well, Juliet, because we were rattling around in our very big um, unit um, in Bermondsey at the time, which we'd moved into a couple of weeks before lockdown. So oh, wow. we'd sort of taken a bigger office and it was just the two of us sat in the corner of this huge room, um, <laughs> echoing, with our voice echoing around on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's mad, isn't it, when you kind of think that's like two years ago. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's just yeah, like... Yeah, it seems like yesterday and a lot longer as a, a lot longer ago as well. It's uh, very strange. It's, um, yeah. And in terms of your website, what was it kind of that you really wanted to achieve? What was the kind of main thing that you wanted from it? So you knew you needed it to change and you needed we, it to do it different. Yeah. Well, I guess this came out of our workshops with Juliet because we went into it thinking, well, actually, we just need to change a few of the words on our existing website and, you know, just just to, just to tell people a little bit about what we do and, and just be clearer about it. And actually what we started discussing with Juliet was actually more about our story as a practice and where we've come from and about us and about the name of the practice and the things that we do and how we've evolved and all of those things you know they they became more prominent and actually it became more about building a website that told our story and would actually talk to our prospective clients in a in a language that isn't so architectural isn't you know isn't so alien to, to people who might visit our website and and want to learn about how to hire and work with architects and that's that's where it came about and uh, and so i guess the what we thought we wanted from a website became something quite different as we went through the process of of writing and sort of working with juliet and yeah. working out working it out and I think that um, that's a really important point because, and that's why I, I don't call myself a copywriter. I'm, you know, I'm not a copywriter. And I think there is something about just not thinking, oh, we need new words for our website and thinking, um, I just need to get the words written because it's not about that at all. Get Finding the words for your website, you know, finding your story and your voice, it's a really good opportunity to sort of dig a bit deeper and to really own that story and, and feel that, you know, there is a narrative behind what you do. There's a narrative that sort of glues your, all your projects together. Um, and that's the story that your clients want to hear. And that's what's going to pull them into wanting to work with you. Um, and, you know, do getting your website, uh, getting the right words for your website and getting that story onto your website is actually the opportunity to to have those words ready, not just when you need to write something, but also when you're meeting your clients, you're yeah. you know, talking to potential clients. It's it's so much, it, it goes so much deeper. Yeah it's, and making, yeah, it's making everything a bit more human and a bit less abstract. Um, also, because well, I think, yeah, yeah. I think also, what we, we spend a lot of time, we still spend a lot of time doing is explaining things because building things, architecture, design things, it's all quite... Everybody sees it a lot more now on TV and, um, you know, hundreds of different programs about building new houses and renovations and this, that, and mm. the other. But 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 it really is a complicated process. It's not as simple as it might seem when, when the cameras are cutting here, there, and everywhere. And um, so we spend a lot of our time, particularly with our sort of clients, our sort of new house or extension clients and so on, explaining what the process is and trying to guide them through that process. And so finding words that that can help explain what is otherwise quite a complex process was quite tricky 
and I, uh, but but I think we we've, we've managed to do that with Juliet on on the website, and we we're able to use that now in 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 explaining how how we do things and how things how everybody does things in in architectural practice um, in a sort of easier fashion. So it's really helpful. Um, but we're, we're but we're always adapting that as well. We've got a lot more to do, I think. Um, can, can I just can I just expand on that, Io? Of course you can, Simon. Go um, because I think for me and, and and you know I I I sort of was the forerunner of, of George and James, so I sort of you know was was in it full time for a couple of years before Darren from the back bedroom before that was the norm, um, and I sort of definitely had a bit of an inferiority complex. Um, with sort of wanting the website to be, um, you know, professional and a proper architect's website, <laughs> like you know that I've been aspiring to since you know since that. I was in school. <laughs> yeah, and and you know it was absolutely working with Juliet was this mind shift from it being this sort of you know um, straight faced, um, very corporate thing to you know just being ourselves um, and and being much more personal with it. Um, and believe me, we did we did try writing on our own without Juliet's help, and, um, and one of the other challenges. <laughs> well, being being entertaining, we, we're, we're very good, <laughs> I think, at keeping. Yeah, you know, we're professional when we need to be, but that can descend into uh, into arguments. So there was, you know, there was lots of times over blank pieces of paper, um, you know, just uh, yeah snatching pens out of each other's hands which is when we thought a, me- a mediator would be useful so yeah. on that um, on that note i should say that um i've since working with starting to work with simon and darren i've changed my process slightly because i've realized that actually to do the workshops and then to leave people to do their own, own writing is just too much of a, a dive into the um well it's just too hard still so yeah. I now kind of have a different way of working where I can stay on board and then we have another workshop sort of along the way to help them get everything written. So at the time when we worked together, um, me and Simon and Darren, I had just, we'd done two two workshops and then they were kind of, they were going off to do the writing on their own. Um, now, when I did come back on board, it was actually a very different process to if I hadn't done those, if, you know, if we hadn't worked together during those workshops, yeah. because all the thinking was there. We were absolutely on the same page, to use a cliche, with each other. Um, and we could just, you know, they understood what they were trying to do. So it was actually the writing process with Simon and Darren was brilliant because they were coming up with, this is what we want to say. This is our, you know, they knew their story by that point. And they would give me a, you know, draft, which was already pretty good. It was all there. And I just then shaped it, made sure it was really client facing, you know, really spoke in the language of their clients. And I think that's why it worked so well. You know, it was a really, um, well, we were absolutely together on it. Do you agree, Simon and Darren? Yeah, Do you agree? I no. I'm nodding, but of course you can't yeah. hear a nod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we, um, as, as Juliet said, we knew what we wanted to say. We just didn't quite know how to get the words get it on paper. Yeah, on, on paper. Yeah, and, and, and the workshops helped us frame what we wanted to say um, to begin with. So, in terms of doing your website, did it did it have impacts on the rest of your business and how you kind of operate? Because I kind of think, in some ways, when you've got the clarity on your story and how you communicate 
it kind of will permeate other parts of your business. Do you find that or was it literally mainly in the communication yes. aspect? Short answer is yes. <laughs> Maybe you might elaborate. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, of course. Um, well, it has because it, it's changed the way um, it's changed the way we approach everything. I would say so. The way we the way we provide the way we meet our clients in the beginning, where at the start of a process, when we get a call from somebody or an email, the way we we um, explain things to them, the way we present our fee proposals. And that's kind of on the client side of things, but actually on the on our business side of things as well. It, it's changed the way that we advertise for staff and recruit. You know, that was another another thing we worked with Juliet on was like, well, if you go onto websites like Dezine or Reba Appointments and all of those websites, if you flick through every every job advert for an architect or an architectural assistant, they all follow exactly the same format. And they all pretty much have the same words. They're just jumbled up in slightly different ways and asking for the same thing. And so we actually, you know, with with, with Juliet's help, wrote a really sort of bespoke um, advert that that ties into our website and the, that sort of human sort of personal approach that we have um, on the website and the way we, we do business. Um, and that permit has also then influenced the way we work as a team. You know, we're... A flexible team we've like i know a lot of offices obviously everybody had to jump online during the pandemic and things but we are we we have kind of kept the benefits and that and how we work so all of our staff are fully sort of flexible and either working from home or working from the office so people can kind of come to us and uh, as our, our our team members and say well this is how we'd like to work you know these are kind of our hours and we kind of gel all of that together so that whole approach of being more personal and human is not just about the clients, but it's also about how we how we work as a as a team. Yeah, I have a particular bugbear about job ads that just start just say you know, especially when they're announcing themselves on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. We're hiring, and that to me is not reaching out to the people you want to talk to in that ad. It's like it's all about you, the practice. We're hiring, but it's a job ad shouldn't be about that. It should be about showing you know we. Um, you're this kind of person, so you'll fit in beautifully with us. And, you know, it's got to be, um, you know, it's not just about saying we're a great company, um, uh, this is what the job is. It's got to be much more of a conversation with that person that you want to bring into the conversation and bring into the practice. And I think we managed to do that with the ads. Absolutely. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're, Every every architect should know roughly what the job of an architect is. So list, listing out the job of an architect <laughs> yeah. and a job and an architect, you know, bearing in mind that most architects will have spent seven years studying and would have been working in practice for a few years probably as an architect. You don't need an advert that lists out the twenty things that they need to do as an architect. It actually, it's yeah. more about who they are and whether they whether they're going to be the right personality and have the right attitude to join join the practice and, so and that's, here's, that's here's a shameless about. plug if i can take the opportunity of um, course you yeah, can. We're, we're we're recruiting again so that advert mm. has been rehashed by by darren and myself <laughs> <laughs> and, um, i'll put a link in the show notes as well elo- 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 eloquently 
rehash <laughs> eloquently um, <laughs> what we should have added um, what we should have added is that the office is in the middle of nowhere and you have to you have to drive because um, we're nowhere near a train station but, but that's it's a fantastic a place point. to be I, I haven't yet visited the uh their new studio yeah, but it sounds yeah. like it sounds amazing <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, I, I was going to say I could hold my laptop and give you a tour, but this is a podcast. This so is a podcast. Be absolutely yeah. no good whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just describe oh, it I, to us. <laughs> it's a lovely office. The fact that I've worked with Simon and Darren on the job ad and on quite a few other little things since then. In fact, I've even written a little thing for them this morning. Um, is it just shows that you know writing is. Um, it's not about just getting a website written, signed off, launched as a beautiful, sparkly thing, and then forgetting about it. You know, having that, those words, having your, finding your voice is an ongoing process. There will always be things to write. So, and I think that's what's great about Simon and Darren and, and their team is that, you know, they've taken that on board, that this is a story that is evolving and they have to keep, you know, that voice is alive. Um, and there will be always be new things to write, and um, you know a lot of that they can do themselves because they've got that. You know, they're um, yeah, they've done all the thinking behind that. It is. It is always always changing. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. This is probably a good time to mention the blog as well, because yes, I love your blog, by the way. Thank you very much, and you know it's it it it's all, well, it's all my words, and <laughs> with, 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 with a bit of bit of input from Darren. Um, and you know, it's fair to say I probably caught caught the writing bug from from Juliet. And actually, if I can be disciplined with my sort of time in terms of project work yeah. and carve out a nice Friday afternoon to to just get lost in something different, um, you know, I sort of have a sort of old laptop rather than my one with the emails on, and I take myself off to a comfy armchair and, and, and sit and write and that's quite quite refreshing and, and the feedback we've been getting from um prospective clients who have then gone on to become um paying clients um has been really positive and there was one particular mm. blog post which um was called what was it called how much does an architect cost the very original name um, <laughs> but such an important question yeah and it's the most popular page on our website and it's had like ten thousand views or something which you yeah. know is is phenomenal for a practice of our size um and we've had we've had new clients reference those different blogs that they found and then they've said you know that's really helpful so we'll give you we we thought we'd give you a call and talk to you about a project um and and how do you share your blog simon so once you create them on your website what do you do yeah so so there is a um (laughs) this is confession time um (laughs) we have a subscribe link on our website um good which up until only up until recently, didn't actually go anywhere. Um, I'm embarrassed to say, but that we, now we, we, <laughs> we thought it did, but it turned out that it didn't. <laughs> um, but we now it now goes to Mailchimp. Um, it's managed by um, our marketing consultant, Doc Leaf Marketing. Um, they help sort of um, yeah maintain the sort of readership, and um, we send out a monthly newsletter which usually includes a blog post or two yeah um and then you know it's the usual sharing it on on linkedin and, and other socials um and uh, as darren touched upon then um i use it actually as a sort of a bit of a sales tool as well yeah. so if i'm having a chat with a client and they say well you know what are the risks rather than me spend half an hour on the phone 
you know, when there's other more pressing things to do, I just sort of say, you know, um, you know, refer them onto a blog post and then say, happy to have another conversation if that leaves anything unanswered. Yeah. Um, and that sort of is saving me time. And I think it's proving quite useful for, um, for the clients. What's so great about Simon's blog is that it is completely about the clients. It's not just saying, oh, we are delighted to have received planning permission for, which I think you've got those news bits as well, or at least on, you know, on the socials. But that those pieces that you're writing, Simon, they are absolutely about thinking about the client's problems and and the, the things that are on a client's mind, like how much does an architect cost? That's a, that's a you know, a big one. And you're addressing those clients. So you're speaking directly to them. Uh, in a way that a lot of architects' blogs have, you know, they might be great, but they're not. They're not um, tuning into the clients in the way that you no. are. And I think the fact that you've had ten thousand views on that piece as well says it all. But I always think those kind of FAQs and those things that people are always asking you—if you can get those into blogs—and that's your best content in a way because that's your evergreen content that people always want. They're always going to yeah. want to know what's the cost of an architect, how long is this going to take, all of those types of, which I guess are quite yeah. basic questions, but. Most of your clients, it's the first time they've ever done a house, isn't it? Or whatever yeah. they've ever done an extension. So, yeah. That's it. Um, to yeah. us, it's bread and butter. Yeah. Um, it's so easy to get complacent, isn't it, on that, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Simon yeah. and Darren have got an FAQ section on the main bit of the website as well, which I think works really well, um, yeah. which again yeah. is about saving time, not having to have those conversations. Uh, every time a new client or new potential client approaches yeah. you, it's all there. And I think that, that was our first source. The first starting point for the uh, blog post was to expand on those because obviously you can. How much does an does an architect cost? You could you could write books on them, and there are probably are books published by the RIBA <laughs> about how how much should architects cost and things like that. Um, so, but again, it's just 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 about sort of giving clients clarity and just helping them make decisions, even if they decide that actually we're not the right people to work with them. And that is the case sometimes. And sometimes we tell them that as well, because we, we just don't think it's, it's going to, we're, we're going to gel, but actually it gives them some tools to go off and find somebody who they, you know, who is right for them um, mm. and work out how they want to carry on with their project. Um, so, yeah, so it's a bit, it's a sort of sharing information as well as, as well as sort of purely helping for sales. Um, and just just yeah. to follow on from that, um, you know, when we get an initial client calling, initial call from a prospective client, um, you know, I'd say a lot of the time we get, you know, they say you know, it's the, the old "oh, we love your website," um, but also it's we found your website really helpful, um, lovely, and that's sort mm-hmm. of obviously part of the reason they're picking up. And what's you know, when we're trying to sort of triage an inquiry as to you know which pile to put it in, um, you can also on the flip side, very easily see has someone just clicked our ad on Google and fired off a generic email, you know, one and a, <laughs> I do my accent down, um, <laughs> one an extension on the back of the ass. Um, <laughs> Is that like the East End? Um, I'm from there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we were south of the river, East End, so I feel like we can do that. <laughs> back of the ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's not what we do um you know and actually we you know we, we do offer a sort of bespoke service for everyone um and you know it, it's it's easy to see when people we are on that same page with with people or not um so yeah it's a useful yeah. tool in that in that respect 
No offense to EastEnders. <laughs> I, I, um, well, I love what you're saying about um, a client saying we found your website really helpful. And I think that's a good, a really good starting point, you know, for architects out there who are thinking about their own websites. Have that as your starting point. We want to be helpful. But most yeah. architects don't start from that. They start from, um, you know, what have I done? What are my achievements? Um, and so that's yeah. from a starting from a point of ego rather than empathy about how we can be helpful. So that's, um, yeah, that's a tip on, you know, if you're staring at the blank page thinking, how do I write about myself? Think about how to be helpful. And once you've done that, it also takes the pressure off you because you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about someone else. And that's a much more natural way to start writing is to think about what can I tell them that they'll find useful. Yeah, and I always kind of think um, the conversations that people, the questions that people bring to you generally whenever they are talking to you, that's the stuff you should be writing about because, you know, it makes it that's a much easier starting point as well. Yeah. So if if you're a practice looking to kind of embark on a website development project or your tone of voice and things, what advice would you give them, Darren? <laughs> you know, we were all sat there thinking... Don't pick on me. Don't pick on me. <laughs> That's a hard question. And now what I've done is forgotten the question. Um, but I think, um, <laughs> what advice would I give them? Yeah. I think, I think just think about, there's a mix there. Think about the sorts of projects you want to work on because that's important because you need to think about who your audience is and, and if from when you work out what sort of projects you want to work on, it, that you then think about what sort of people do you want to work with, because that's almost just as important as the kinds of projects. Because architectural projects take a long time, and, and they rely on building really strong relationships with clients and other consultants and team members and things. And you, you know, on, on a new build house, you might be working with someone for a couple of years, and you've really got to delve into their lives to work out how they want to live in a live in a space so I think if you're starting out on a website thinking about who you want to be working with and then writing to them it's almost like writing a letter to the people who who you want to work with and I, so I guess that would be my my tip for a starting point. I love that letter idea that's really lovely and yeah. Simon for you? Yeah I think it's similar uh, similar um Come on, think of another idea. <laughs> no, that's a hassle. <laughs> it must be. It must be something else. Um, You're fine if you don't have something else. That's all right. Juliet, did you want to add anything? Well, I, I, also, I mean, two of the things that Darren has said are really important. One is about being aspirational, as in, you know, think about what not just what you've done, but what the projects you really want to work on. So if you've done a load load of things that were not really your ideal projects, you don't even need to write about them. You know, a website is always going to be a curated story of your work. So just think about, you know, your website should be aspirational. So aim yeah. for, you know, write about those things that you want to be doing more of. The other thing, which also picks up on what Darren said, is about really thinking about your ideal client. And, you know, that's one of the things um, we did in the workshops together at the, at the start of the process was really get, um, I got Darren and Simon both thinking very specifically about what makes a great client so that it's yeah. not some abstract uh sort of amorphous mass of people these are the potential clients it's like this specific person that's who we want to work for and that's what this is why and then you can really start to write that personal letter to them 
Um, that I've, will got, then... I've got one. Yes, well, oh, go, go, go. <laughs> go <for it. laughs> um, and um, it's, it's a simple one um, and, you know, probably paraphrased from, from Juliet, but it's avoid jargon. Um, yeah. because, you know, in our, in our training and, you know, in professional spheres, talking to other architects, you know, we know what a feasibility study is. We know what tender means, you know, and a pre-app inquiry or this or that. And actually to the man or lady on the street, man or woman on the street, I should say, that doesn't, um, that doesn't mean, you know, a thing. So I think it's, it's, that's a sort of simple one that could be actioned relatively straight you know, quickly and, and, and easily. A way to do that, uh, this is now me, sort of in, in helpful mode, um, right. is to every time that there's a word that you think of, oh, feasibility study, and then think, so what? What does that mean for my client? It means kind of giving them options, showing them what's possible. And that, Absolutely. you know, just using that line, showing them what's possible, that's immediately going, you're going to be speaking in a language which means so much more to them. So, yeah, jargon is really useful between colleagues because it's a shortcut because you don't want to be explaining all <laughs> that every time. But for clients, shortcut just it's like um, going such a shortcut that you've missed out the scenic route that actually makes them understand their context, <laughs> context and the yeah. landscape and where they are. Uh, so, yeah, jargon has a place, but not when you're talking to clients. I'm probably doing Sorry. Io's job for her here, but um, <laughs> that probably leads us quite nicely onto the work we did together on the Reba plan. The of Reba, works, yeah. Why we were, yeah. Why we were um, shortlisted for the Archibald Awards. I'm going to hand back over to you, Io, to ask us lots of questions about that. Fantastic. Uh, do you want to explain it first? Off you go. What was your, re- your alternative Reba plan stages of work? Right. Which is really right. good, right. by the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I put my foot in that one, didn't I? Um, no, of course so you did. <laughs> we, I did my research, we, though. <laughs> the RIBA publish a plan of works, which is a sort of... Um, step-by-step guide from the start to the end of a project um you know an architect's practices range from public practice you know local authorities private practice to you know one one person bands to you know multidisciplinaries worldwide and what the rba you know and it's not a task i would envy but they tried to sort of come up with this one plan that would basically one size fits all mm. um and it just wasn't us and it wasn't our clients and it wasn't our projects um so i think it might have been juliet's idea but she'll probably correct me i think it was your idea you two i don't know which one of you but i had always thought oh, i want to rewrite this because every time i'd been onto the riba plan of works i i didn't understand I it <laughs> And so I thought, I need to yeah. rewrite this, but I never actually did it because it was so hard. Because every time I went back to it thinking, now's the day to rewrite it, I couldn't mm. quite do it. And then we were. I'll take it. It was, it was my idea. Okay, it was so my idea. <laughs> and that gave me the reason to actually understand it and, and rewrite it with, with, with their help. So it was yeah. like joint effort. And, joint um, effort. Absolutely. It worked really well because, you know, Juliet um, you know, obviously works with architects, but is it fair to say? You know, your your technical knowledge, you know, is, has has a limit She's to not it. An architect, yeah, which yeah. is the point of me that I I don't um, I haven't spent seven years at architecture school. Same and, here. And, and we just ask questions and go, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think what we did was we we took the seven the seven um, river work stages, and we literally set up seven meetings. Um, they were short, sharp lunchtime things. I think so yeah. that we were, you know, it was a 
wasn't sort of too much of a drag on anyone's time. Um, and, you know, Juliet sort of interviewed us. We tried to explain it as best we can. And then Juliet would go away and, um, you know, p- put something together and yeah. then send it to us for feedback. And it was just breaking it down just in the way that we worked together meant that this quite mammoth task became, you know, in- broken up into manageable chunks um, mm. for everyone. I guess it was um, also about taking, you know, because in some ways, I mean, we we stuck with the seven stages because, you know, it's kind of an industry standard thing. So when we're talking with other consultants on projects and things like that, everybody understands that language of the Reba exactly. stages, even though it's it's a sort of mammoth document which covers everything and nothing at the same time. So what we part of that exercise with, with the alternative plan of work that we, we, we wrote with Juliet is that it was about not only t- trying to explain what the RIBA says happens at each stage, but actually what we do at each stage for our clients so it was it was about it was almost a sort of combination of the two one is the sort of background structure being the riba plan of work but then which we which we follow loosely but then actually explain to people what that actually means at each stage at george and james what do we do at each stage for them um and how will their projects progress and and i think that's a great great place to start and it's really helpful for clients to see that sort of process but I would say as we're growing as a practice and the more projects we're working on, I think we'll probably get to a point where we'll refine that even more um, yeah. as a sort of explanation um, for different sorts of projects that we work on. And that's probably something that we'll, we'll be addressing or approaching in the next sort of six months or so. But, but you're right. I mean, looking at it earlier, which I did today, and it was quite interesting because you were right. You were turning around and saying, and this is how we'll help you get through this stage. And, you know, at the end, we'll come and hopefully have dinner with you, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> invite us over for a coffee. It was lovely. Always hopeful. Yeah. Um, that uh, that <laughs> plan of works is one of the things I'm most proud to have been part, been a part of writing because I, I think it's such a genuinely helpful thing now yeah. um it kind of opens up architecture from this sort of mystical not 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 mystical but this kind of arcane strange uh yeah. thing that you know other people who haven't been at architecture school just don't really understand how it works and it just makes it into this oh it's just these stages suspect, it's very manageable yeah. we do this this is what it means for you i suspect yeah. a lot of you know other businesses we work with other consultants in different professions within the industry Everybody, everybody follows the Reba plan of work, but I bet if everybody sat in a room and tried without it in front of them to explain what is supposed to happen at each stage, I, I don't think, you know, I think we'd all be surprised as architects how, how many people we talk, talk about it to um, mm. just don't understand it either and how many architects don't really understand it either. Because it's like you say, it's not all. It's not. It, it's, it's as Simon said. It's a, it's not. Um, it's designed for everything, to cover everything, and then in in doing that, quite often misses the mark. Um, yeah, which yeah. is an issue in itself, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's a major issue. Yeah, and um, I think it's it, a major issue on a lot of websites that um, you know a, a practice is trying to talk to everybody, and by trying to talk to everybody, they're not actually making eye contact with anybody. Because it just becomes very yeah. generic, very difficult to pin down. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. So now we're at the end of the show, but thank you all so much for coming on. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and of course, yeah. I will put links to your website and the alternative plan of works in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the latest episode of Marketing in Times of Recovery. And I'm your host, Iowa Bass. If you want to find out more about the bi-weekly show, do check out the show notes, which will give you more information about who the guests are and all the things we've covered. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on an episode. Until next time. Bye. Bye.